Welcome to Sipping Success, the ultimate podcast for all things beverage and alcohol. We are here to quench your thirst for insights, analysis, and a splash of entertainment. Get ready to dive into the world of beverages with us. From the latest trends to in-depth discussions with industry leaders, we've got it all covered. Whether you're a connoisseur or a curious sipper, Sipping Success is your go-to guide. Join us as we uncork knowledge, raise a glass to innovation, and help you elevate your brand to new heights. So grab your favorite drink, sit back, and let's sip success together. Tune in to Sipping Success and drink in the wisdom. Cheers. This podcast is brought to you by Mushroom Media, the go-to digital media agency for all things marketing. From crafting captivating campaigns to decoding social media sorcery, Mushroom Media is here to empower your brand and help you scale. So whether you're brewing, distilling, or concocting the next big thing, Mushroom Media has a solution for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sipping Success. I'm your host, Casey Hawkinson. And today we are joined by Ryan Thompson. Uh, Ryan is the founder of 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company. The 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company is truly an extension of the mountain lifestyle, bringing together the old with the new. Ryan has a deep passion for creating and sharing award-winning handcrafted spirits from Vail, Colorado that are distributed all around the country. Welcome, Ryan. I know we're just by that description, you know, whiskey from Vail. We're very excited to hear more about you. Hey, Casey. Good to be here, man. Happy, okay. to, uh, happy to have a good conversation with you here. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, likewise. Okay, well, let's kind of start from, you know, you've been at it with this company for 10 years, uh, over 10 years. So can you can you share a little bit about your background? What led you to start the company and kind of your passion behind it and, and where you sure. are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my tongue-in-cheek answer is that someone in this town is going to make whiskey sooner or later. Might as well be <laughs> me, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, two of my favorite things you mentioned there, whiskey and Vail, Colorado. So mm-hmm. I certainly love skiing. I uh, love the mountain lifestyle, the outdoor lifestyle. Uh, yeah. So I moved here in 98, and I started bartending when I first moved here uh, for a couple of years. Then I was uh, fortunate okay. enough to start a restaurant about uh, 20 years ago, the West Side Cafe. Okay. Uh, and then I started home brewing and I uh, started making my own beer, not not on a commercial level by any means, just for mm-hmm. uh, friends and family. Uh, and I had a good time doing that. And then distillation was the next step. And I figured after bartending and running a restaurant, hell, might as well uh, <laughs> might as well look into starting a distillery as kind of watching what the craft movement was doing up yeah. in uh, the first couple of years uh, from mid 2000s, 2010. Finally, uh, took a good hard look at it. Went out to Moonshine University in Louisville, Kentucky, oh, nice. and got hands on got hands on distilling knowledge there at that uh, school. It's still around. Uh, they they do a great job. So I have a great relationship with those guys. Uh, came back, uh, wrote a business plan. Started with a little thirteen gallon still, and uh, now we uh, use a five hundred gallon combination pot column still made from Vendome. Uh, we have a five hundred gallon batch system that we use to make all of our spirits with and. Uh, like you said, we're uh, 10 years plus into this deal and uh, having a great time doing it. Wow. So can you walk us through your spirits profile, like what you're offering right now? Yeah. So we certainly hang our hat on our whiskey expressions, hence uh, the, the name 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company. But we didn't want to ignore 
A couple of the other spirit markets that are out there, the vodka market is uh, roughly 35% of the overall spirits market. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you're not, if you're not a uh, aged spirits drinker, you're in, uh, you still drink spirits, good chance you're drinking vodka. So we yeah. don't want to ignore the vodka market and gives us a lot of flexibilities with infusions and uh, cocktails at our tasting room. So, uh, so we make a potato vodka, didn't want to make a grain based vodka. So I wanted to come out with something different. And mm-hmm. uh, my personal favorite is uh, potato vodka anyway. So mm-hmm. we uh, make a potato vodka, make a cordial, which is a sage peach vanilla cordial. Uh, mm-hmm. We wanted to have a unique flavor that wasn't on the market on, on the shelves yet. And it uh, kind of resembles a schnapps uh, when you get done mm. uh, with your day of skiing and you want to sit down and, and relax a little bit with your friends and family. And so there's a lot of sage, a lot of peaches here in Colorado. So we use those influences to come up with a sage peach vanilla cordial. And then mm-hmm. our last spirit is a spirit that uh, I never really thought we'd be making. It, it certainly wasn't in the business plan. Uh, but I've got a friend that has a vineyard in Monterey Valley, California. And when your good friend calls you up and asks if you want 3,500 gallons of Pinot Noir grapes to make mm-hmm. uh, brandy out of, there's only one answer to that question. And so yeah, we uh, figured we'd jump into the brandy market, uh, given our partnership with the Smith Family Vineyard. And we okay. distill off that Pinot Noir and then age it in our uh, ex-bourbon cask for at least two years. Oh, wow. Uh, and now our brandy has been recognized as one of the top three brandies by USA Today, uh, oh, which wow. is kind of a fun little accolade that we've received with it. So uh, so now so the brandy is our is our seventh spirit that we have as well. So four different kinds of whiskey, a potato, vodka, okay. a cordial and a uh, brandy. OK, and then uh, so let's get to the good part then. So four different kinds of whiskey. So let's let everybody know, like, what what are the whiskey types? That yeah, you absolutely. Right. Yeah. So uh, certainly whiskey is a huge passion of not only mine, but our whole team. Uh, whiskey goes hand in hand here in the Rocky Mountains and with skiing. Uh, so the four different types of whiskey we make is uh, un- an unaged whiskey. Uh, so wow. we affectionately call it, call it out a clear mountain moonshine, but it is 100% unaged corn whiskey that's presented at 100 proof. Oh, wow. uh, our yeah. next uh, most awarded spirit is our 10th Mountain Rye Whiskey mm-hmm. uh, presented at 86 proof. Uh, it is our most awarded spirit that uh, gets a lot of recognition uh, uh, in all the awards and the competitions that are out there. So we're really proud of that. Uh, won best in class in Whiskeys of the World uh, recently. Won uh, 94 and a half points in Jim Murray's Whiskey Bible. Uh, gold medal out in San Fran International Spirit Comp, among other things. So uh, then our best seller is our bourbon, uh, 10th Mountain Bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, bourbon has an overall category, super hot these days, as uh, mm-hmm. probably most of your audience is familiar with. And so um, our bourbon is our bestseller, presented at 92 proof. Mm. Uh, and then our most uh, recently released spirit uh, is our uh, 10th Mountain American Single Malt. And uh, we saw what the single malt uh, movement uh, category was doing about five or six years ago. Uh, we got ahead of the trends a little bit and started lying down barrels then. And we released our single malt uh, just over two years ago now or so. Uh, and certainly that category is picking up steam more and more uh, every day as you see more and more distillers coming out with their own single malts. Uh, and then and the TTB finally recognizing it as its own uh, category within the whiskey um, uh, classification. So uh, so those those four different kinds right. of whiskey. I think we're going to stop there. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think we'll see. Never say never, but we're pretty happy. Uh, making those four whiskeys and the additional three spirits so well congratulations that's a lot uh that's that's great inventory uh uh you know definitely 
anybody out there who's a whiskey fan or uh, those other spirits that you mentioned, uh, boy, uh, a lot of good flavors to to choose from. Um, and so before we kind of dive back into our conversation here, um, I do want to make mention you have a gift for everybody out in the audience. So we're really uh, happy to promote this. So uh, for all of you out there, you can go on the 10th Whiskey website. So 10thwhiskey.com. So um, and in particular, make sure you're going 10thwhiskey.com. So it's 10thwhiskey.com. And then upon checkout, like right at checkout, you can enter the code SIPPING. Enter the code SIPPING for 10% off. So, Ryan, we want to thank you for that. And we'll remind uh, a couple more times throughout the podcast. But we want to thank you uh, uh, for that really nice gift for everybody. Yeah, absolutely, Casey. Nice way to uh, get back to the audience here that's tuning in. So it's uh, it's our pleasure for sure. Awesome. Okay, so back into uh, your story, you 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 came in it from uh, a restaurant hospitality background, decided to brew beer as a hobby, then transitioned that to what you're ultimately doing right now. So uh, you've you've worn a lot of hats. Uh, you've owned a restaurant also. I failed to mention that. So um, what specific lessons uh, from those? experiences have you taken to 10th whiskey and has it has, has anything in particular helped you in your growth uh that maybe somebody from outside of those industries wouldn't have seen yeah well certainly a, a lesson that uh <laughs> gets beaten into everyone's skull in this business is patience right it's certainly not yeah. uh uh, you're not going to have an overnight success, uh, especially if you're manufacturing the spirit and aging it and bottling it all on site. Uh, you can buy the juice, uh, as everyone knows, and, and put your own brand on it. And maybe you'll have overnight success, but even that's getting harder and harder and harder to do these days. Uh, we're patient. Uh, it's important to um, have a ton of patience with this. Uh, we're 10 years, 10 years plus in. Uh, it still feels like a startup to us. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, a it's a daily grind. You have to love the grind. You have to be in it. You have to be very passionate uh, about making good spirits, about hospitality. Uh, we have two tasting rooms here in Colorado. We're allowed two tasting rooms per manufacturing license. So one at the distillery, mm -hmm. then one offsite. And our offsite mm -hmm. one is at the base of Vail Ski Mountain. And mm -hmm. so there's a lot of hospitality within the business as well. It's not just manufacturing, uh, bottling, and sales. There's certainly uh, the hospitality goes hand in hand with everything hosting events and hosting different organizations, uh, working with different philanthropic uh, organizations as well uh, is very important to us. So I think uh, a big lesson is, is the patience factor. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, another lesson is working with distributors. They're really good at taking your product from point A to point B, but until you're keeping their lights on and paying their bills like a Jack Daniels or a Maker's Mark, it's going to be really hard for uh, their teams to get to talking about you and get to um, doing sales for you. So it's up to uh, the supplier to make those sales, make those introductions to the on and off premise accounts uh, mm -hmm. in order to get those sales for your distributor, to take it from point A to point B and to support, to uh, show your distributor that you're supporting their efforts as well. So just because you get into a new market in a new state and uh, have a distributor behind you, all that's well and great, but your product's not going to move until you have, 
feet on the street, uh, knocking down doors and, and mm -hmm. making a sale as well. So uh, a lot of new distilleries and a lot of new suppliers, if you're in the brewery market or their vineyards um, in the wine market, then that's a that can be a tough lesson to learn for um, new companies just getting into the game. So uh, I certainly echo those words when I'm talking to someone that's just starting up. And so and then I also encourage people to uh, go direct to consumer as well. And uh, if your distributor, none of our distributors have had a problem with that. They all understand the situation, what's going on. If we happen to get uh, a lot of sales in a certain state that we have traditional distribution, that's great for that distributor because it's just going to be more pulled through off the shelf. Um, once our once our buyer understands that he can go down the block and get it without having to pay uh, necessarily a, a shipping on it. Um, but yeah. still, when you're first starting out using a direct-to-consumer for uh, 3PL, third-party fulfillment company, then uh, that's a good way to reach distributor and get, a, get some additional reach for your brand. Uh, a little easier for wine and beer to do that than spirits, but uh, the uh, the market's changing within the spirits industry as well. So, uh, But there are some good workarounds out there, and there's some good companies out there that are uh, solving that issue right now as well. So a couple of those things are what I always uh, talk about uh, when I'm when I'm speaking with uh, newer suppliers in the business. So, yeah, and I was just going to ask you, can you kind of take us through those workarounds a little bit more? Kind of that those new tactics that you're seeing come up come through. Yeah, in the direct consumer market. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Casey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, where we can't ship direct to consumer ourselves, being a, a, a manufacturing distillery. Mm -hmm. uh, not here in Colorado, at least there are uh, eight reciprocal states. If you live in one of those eight states, great. Um, at least you can reach consumers in those other seven states outside of yours. Uh, here in Colorado, it is not a reciprocal state just yet. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of effort, a lot of work going on to hopefully change that and hopefully have parity across all alcohol, um, alcohol industries, um, ciders, beer, breweries, uh, um, wine and spirits. Uh, and right now the spirits are not being treated in a similar fashion as the other guys are. And so mm -hmm. within the last handful of years, there've been a number of third-party fulfillment companies that have come on board to tackle uh, this situation and to provide a service where they will store our spirits for us and then they, were, they will fulfill our online orders. So if your audience goes to our website, 10thwhiskey.com, Mm. Uh, buys a bottle buys three bottles whatever it is enters that promo code sipping by the way <laughs> so yeah, don't forget yeah. that yeah, uh, and then it gets yeah. shipped although it is our spirits it's going to be shipped from washington dc on okay. occasion we'll get a consumer that says hey i thought you guys were a colorado distillery why is my product coming from dc mm -hmm. uh, and then you just have to educate them on what's going on there that's where a third party film company warehouse is um, and they're able to ship from there we use a company called Rackhouse connect they're great. Uh, they're a lot of fun to work with. Um, they get the product out in a timely fashion. Of course, they take their cut, just like any of these guys and uh, companies do. Uh, but they they need to make their their cut as well. Um, but more importantly, they share uh, the consumer information so we can start building a relationship with that consumer, uh, either through email marketing or social media marketing, etc. That uh, in hopes of uh, becoming uh, them becoming a lifelong fan of our spirits. And want to think about us the next time they need a bottle for the house as well. So, and, and as well, they, the rack house ships the product uh, uh, usually within uh, a day or two of getting the order. So it's okay. at the consumer's house within five, six, seven days, depending on where they're at in the country. So, okay. Uh, and and then in rack house and these three PL companies, 
they in the same breath they can't have a distillery manufacturing license so okay. they've got to work around and have checked all the boxes with the three-tier distribution system but gotcha. one thing they can't do is have a distillery so in uh kind of a follow-up question to all this uh and i only know from a little bit of experience in my in my own life um you know, I've had friends get into the beer market and fortunately they were able to get successful at it. Now I'm sitting here in California and I remember some of the initial pain points they were going through. And a lot of it was, you know, particularly at the time where they started about 10, 15 years ago, they were uh, having, and I still think it's going on a little bit today, they were having to lobby the state of California to update their laws because they were operating on laws that were written back in the 1800s. So you mentioned some challenges or some things that are, you know, potentially getting updated within Colorado. Are you finding that same issue in Colorado? Yeah, that's exactly right, Casey. So we are uh, governed by some antiquated liquor laws that uh -huh. don't allow us to ship direct to consumer ourselves. The second that happens and those laws change, we will bring everything in-house um, mm -hmm. for a couple different reasons. One of those reasons is that we can add upsells and add our merch to that same box that has a bottle of our bourbon in it. Right mm -hmm. now, if someone goes on our website and wants a, wants a ball cap and a bottle of bourbon, they have to place two separate orders, enter their credit card two separate times. Uh, they're going to get two separate boxes, one from Colorado with a ball cap in it, one from Washington, D.C. with our bourbon in it. A bit confusing and a bit adds a bit of friction to the overall buying process for that consumer. Mm -hmm. And so when we are able to ship direct, we will bring it in-house. We'll bring it and that'll add a couple more jobs. Uh, here in locally in the state of Colorado, which, you know, obviously all the government likes. Yeah. And, um, and then it gives us a little bit more control on what we can do uh, with added uh, with the value added packaging with our hats and glassware and flasks and whatever. So um, looking forward to those days. It's it's a couple more years down the road. And I've been saying it's a couple years down the road for about eight years now. So who, who knows when it's. <laughs> When that that sentence is actually yeah. going to be true, I certainly don't. Yeah. Uh, but uh, a lot of a lot of organizations, Colorado Distillers Guild being one of them, uh, different distillers guilds, uh, state guilds around the country are really focused on this. The uh, ACSA American Craft Spirit Association, along with uh, ADI and uh, Discus, they're all very focused on getting this one specific um, uh, ta task regulation passed. So there is parity across all alcohol industry so mm -hmm. hopefully it'll happen uh soon but uh man i'm not holding my breath so yeah yeah well it's interesting uh topic nonetheless to to kind of learn about learn what you're going through and uh so i mean that's definitely a, a challenge and an everyday obstacle for you you know i i hate to kind of beat this here but like are there any other obstacles or challenges that you faced that maybe you're particularly proud of um, that you guys have been able to overcome and survive as a business? Yeah, just like any manufacturing industry out there, uh, three, four years ago when COVID hit and there were some uh, supply chain challenges, if you will, mm, uh, yeah. those were difficult to navigate. Um, we we are hopefully over that hump now and have, have that in the rear view mirror. So, uh, but there were some some challenges there that uh, were a bit scary to, to work through, um, just uh, getting delays after delays after delays on all of our raw materials. 
Um, being up here in the Rocky Mountains uh, adds adds a, another level uh, that we have to manage, um, just uh, weather-wise in the winter time. You never know when the next uh, snowstorm blizzards are going to be coming through. That mm-hmm. delays your next order of bottles that you're waiting on uh, by a week or two weeks or whatever the case is. Uh, hopefully that's all that it's delayed um, and or your grain. But we we try to, at this point, we've learned enough where this time of year, we're stocking up on all of our raw material. So hopefully we can get through the next four mm. months or so, five months uh, without significant hiccups that delay us with our raw, raw supplies. So, um, but it's something that we've had to, uh, we, you know, we, we choose to live up here in kind of a, a rural area. Uh, in the beautiful Rockies, it would be a little easier if we lived on the front range and in a big city like Denver or somewhere, but uh, mm-hmm. it certainly comes with some benefits of living up here where it's a beautiful country as well. And we, yeah. we all enjoy where we live too. So it's it's super okay. important, not only myself, but our whole team. So, yeah. And how big is your team? Uh, we have full uh, about 15 full-time people and a couple part-timers. Okay. And then, um, you know, as far as uh, uh, your business is concerned, like um, can can you speak to any like metrics or KPIs you use to kind of measure success for you? Certainly our top line, top line revenue is a good KPI, right? And, yeah, uh, yeah. You know that? <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, spoken very truthfully there. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. that's something that I uh, watch closely that we all, that, um, and I communicate, we all, I'm an open book to my team about what's going on with that. So that's a key. That's certainly a, a top line revenue, but we also break that down into, uh, I look at our two tasting rooms as separate businesses. Okay. And how those go. They they are separate businesses, but are under the same umbrella as well. Um, but I try to make sure that they operate both profitably in and of themselves. Uh, I try to make sure that we self-distribute here in the Vale Valley. So here in Colorado, we are able to self-distribute. Uh, mm-hmm. We also have okay. a distributor outside of our area, outside of our corridor. Uh, and so I make sure that that is being operated on a on a profitable level, along with the distillery, and I lump that into the distillery uh, side of the business. And then also managing all of our distributors in the 15 different states that we're in. We don't have quite a, a different distributor for each state. There's a, a little bit of overlap in, in, in a couple of the states with mm-hmm. the, working with the same distributor. But out of those 15 states, we have uh, probably nine or 10 different distributors that we work with. So. Okay, um, and I I'll watch those closely and make sure those are uh, operating uh, individually as at a profitable level as well. So, um, okay, I would love to, love to, uh, <laughs> there to be a time where all all the different individual areas uh, rise and increase all at the same time. But it always seems like I'm trying to trying to pay attention to one aspect of the business and then get that one up to a nice level, and then I have to focus on another aspect and just. It's always a yeah. give and take of where where I put my energy and my time. Um, they don't all rise at the same time, unfortunately. So, <laughs> uh, and then also trying to open up new markets, right? And talking to other distributors yeah. and uh, other markets, and uh, so um, that's obviously a focus as well to try to bring on some some additional markets here uh, in the next uh, probably four, first quarter twenty twenty four too. So, okay, are are you able yet to share like any potential markets you're looking to open up? Yeah, uh, we're uh, oddly, uh, this might, this is a bit peculiar, uh, certainly to me, but we're about to open up Alaska. Oh, nice. Which is, uh, which is fun and surprising. (laughs) uh, But there's some interest up there um, with our stuff for a couple different reasons. Uh, We uh, are talking with a distributor in Louisiana. 
uh, as well. Um, we uh, just opened up, uh, just to have an opening phone call on uh, our opening order, just landed a couple days ago with a distributor, Stone Fence Distributing in Maine and Vermont. So uh, those uh, two states uh -huh. are coming on board, although a little smaller states, important states to us with the ski industry and a lot of 10th Mountain influence up in that neck of the woods. So, okay, um, yeah. and then uh, we're uh, focused on Kansas and Missouri as well doing some things there that I think yeah. are going to really uh, change uh, uh, some things here next year. Um, probably going to bring on Texas and New Mexico as well, it sounds like. So okay, uh, those are a handful of markets that we're currently looking at and talking to distributors. And uh, But again, it goes back to what I was saying just a couple minutes ago. It's it's all well and great to be in a new state and a new distributor, but you got to have feet on the street and you have to have a marketing budget behind it. Uh, otherwise, yeah. the product's going to sit on the shelf for a year or two, and then that distributor is going to be calling you up asking you to be buying back your product and and that's a that's a hard pill to swallow when that that phone call comes so <laughs> yeah um and to speak to alaska for a moment that sound kind of very interesting to me and um so is it do you, do you think like the narrative behind your whiskey kind of being in the mountains is is that um it was that kind of the impetus for starting up alaska i mean that to me that the story of where you're coming from, from Vail. Right, Casey. Yeah, there's certainly some good parallels there. Exactly yeah. what you're thinking. There's also uh, a number of uh, military bases in Alaska. Uh -huh. uh, we're in the AFE system, the Air Army Air Force Exchange system. So okay. To where you can that uh, on, the, on the military bases. Um, okay. We are waiting to hear back from the Navy Exchange. We had a presentation in front of them a couple of weeks ago, so we're waiting to hear back from them. We're, we're hopeful that they're going to bring us on board. Uh, along with the Coast Guard Exchange as well. So um, so there, that's a big, uh, big reason that we're uh, hopefully going to be in Alaska here soon and a big reason why that distributor wants to bring us on board there. There's also a, a local grocery store slash liquor store chain in the area that is interested in uh, bringing mm -hmm. us on. So uh, all those combined are, are, are the reasons that um, we're optimistic about getting into Alaska. So that's great. And then to me, like on the other end of the spectrum, like Louisiana, that just makes sense, right? For obvious reasons, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, totally right. Exactly. <laughs> and also, uh, what what a lot of people don't uh, realize is that although Tenth uh, Mountain Army Division, which is our namesake, uh, was started in our area in the 1940s here in ah, the Bay okay. area, they were deactivated in the 50s, and then they were reactivated, and their headquarters are in upstate New York, which a lot of people. Uh, certainly, if they're in the military or follow the military or have any kind of affiliation, we'll know that 10th Mountain Army Division is based in upstate New York at Fort Drum. But they also are stationed okay. in Fort Polk, Louisiana, of all places. They're okay. no longer a mountain warfare specific Army Division. They're a light infantry division. And so okay. although their, he their headquarters are in Fort Drum, New York, they are stationed in Fort Polk, Louisiana as well. So there's a, a little okay. history there uh, uh, with the Army Division in, in the state of Louisiana. So. Okay, so let's let's get into the to the name for a second. So it's named um, after that Tenth Army Division. Yep, exactly. Yeah, the Tenth Mountain Army Division was a mountain warfare specific Army Division that originated just a few miles south of where we're located here in Vail, Colorado. They mm -hmm. won some very significant battles in World War II. When they returned, they wanted to share the sport of skiing, which they had learned and fell in love with during their training here in the Rockies, and then were a, a ski mountaineering division over in World War II in northern Italy. 
And so they fell in love with the sport of skiing and then they came back and wanted to share with their friends and family. And in essence, started the modern day uh, uh, sport of skiing and the outdoor lifestyle industry, as we know. Uh, over 60 different ski resorts across the country were started by 10th Mountain Vets, Vail Mountain being one of those, um, Aspen Mountain, uh, uh, a lot of uh, mountains up in the Northeast, a uh, big reason that why we're up uh, in Maine and Vermont now. Uh, the National Outdoor Leadership School, the Knowles Experience, was started by a 10th Mountain Vet. Uh, Nike was actually founded by a 10th Mountain Vet. So uh, Phil Knight's business partner is a guy named Bill Bowerman. Uh, and if you know the story of Nike, Bill Bowerman was Phil Knight's uh, track coach at the University of Oregon. So, mm -hmm. um, so without these guys and, and gals, uh, we want to be able to do what we love to do, which is uh, skiing a great mountain and making great whiskey. And so yeah. we wanted to uh, name our distillery in honor of uh, the 10th Mountain Army Division. And more importantly, use that as a platform, uh, philanthropic platform to support different military nonprofits around the country, which uh, is something that we're very proud of as well. So, Okay, so let's just let me pause for a second. And um, I do want to remind everybody, if you're listening, you can jump on the 10th Whiskey website, go to 10thwhiskey.com. So that's 10th then the word whiskey.com. And then upon checkout, type in the code SIPPING, S-I-P-P-I-N-G, and then you'll receive a 10% discount. Uh, Ryan has given to all of us uh, to enjoy some product 10% off. And so that that's very interesting. So yeah, I want to get into kind of the philanthropic nature of your brand and, and how it supports the military. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's something that's super important to us. We have a number of uh, military vets on our team, uh, not only 10th Mountain specific vets, but uh, uh, Marine, uh, Air Force as well. Uh, and so it's very uh, near and dear to our hearts, uh, not only mine, but our, our uh, 15 full-time employees, like I mentioned as well. Mm -hmm. And so um, we work not only with local military nonprofits here in our backyard, and then also regionally here in the state of Colorado, but also on a national level as well. Uh, it's something that we're always doing in, in a number of different ways. Sometimes it's it's a uh, easy couple bottle donation to a silent auction at one of their events. Other times it's a little more uh, intricate and detailed. We did a barrel pick uh, fundraiser for uh, the Army Navy Country Club to help raise funds for the Medal of Honor Library. I was just out in Arlington, Virginia this past weekend uh, doing a, a dedication ceremony for that. I was in San Diego with an organization called the C4 Foundation that supports Navy SEALs and their families. So mm -hmm. although we're named in honor of the Army Division, we certainly support all um, military nonprofits across the board, no matter who they're affiliated, what or, um, what branch of the military they're affiliated with. Uh, and so it um, means a lot to us. Uh, it's a great way for us to give back. We have a fun platform of of making spirits and sharing whiskeys and the camaraderie that comes with it uh, to be able to positively affect and influence uh, and help out and support some of these uh, organizations. And uh, it's certainly uh, not just lip service for us. It's something that we're very passionate mm -hmm. about doing so. Well, yeah, that's a, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and it, it just sounds like it's something just a part of your daily work of what you do. So it's all, it's all part of your brand um, on a daily basis. So yeah, thanks absolutely. for sharing that. And, and you've been listening to the Sipping Success Podcast. I'm your host, Casey Hawkinson. Uh, our guest has been Ryan Thompson. He is the founder of 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company.
Ryan uh, among uh, telling us uh, his very interesting story about 10th Mountain Whiskey. He's giving us uh, giving us 10% off. So uh, go to 10th Mountain Whiskey, 10thmountainwhiskey.com. And that's 10th, the word whiskey.com. And then at checkout, type in the word sipping, S-I-P-P-I-N-G, for 10% off your purchase. So Ryan, we want to thank you for that. And we're down to our last couple questions here. And uh, so always like to ask this question. Uh, You've obviously, again, you've had a big, successful career in hospitality, done a lot. What advice would you give somebody maybe like your younger self to that's looking to jump in the industry? What advice would you give to them? Yeah, it's one of those things. If you don't do it today, you're going to be one year older when or one day older when you actually do it. So if mm-hmm. you have a drive, if there's something inside you that uh, you want to explore, give it a shot, then I think uh, take action on it. Um, and that's certainly if it's something that's been in your belly, in your gut for, for a while now and it's not going away, then that says something, something you're passionate about and you should probably pursue it. Uh, and if you don't, when, when you finally do, you're just going to be one year older when, when you, when you do. So, um, mm-hmm. I think take action is most important 10 years, 10, 10 years now in this business. And I'm, I'm living out one of my dreams of living in a beautiful place that I love to call home. I, I, I'm passionate about this area. I love to play in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I have a pretty cool, uh, gig behind it as well. That's, uh, yeah. making, making whiskey. Uh, and from and from the outside, it it's, does sound it's just really cool and sexy. I think a lot of people um, can appreciate uh, or appreciate it. Uh, there, there's it's a grind as well. Sure, um, it, it's certainly a grind. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it on the back end of it. But if you love it, uh, then you're not going to mind those those harder days that uh, that don't uh, flow as easily as maybe they should. Um, through. Uh, uh, all the work we've done with different military nonprofits, I've gotten to meet uh, a number of different uh, veterans and active soldiers. Uh, uh, a number of them are single amputees, double amputees, triple amputees, mm-hmm. burn victims, you name it, from uh, the injuries they have sustained in the war. Mm-hmm. And so I always think, like, if I'm having a bad day, then I'll, I'll really stop and pause and think, well, my bad day is nowhere near some of the bad days of yeah. some of my close friends at this point. And yeah. so um, take a deep breath. It's all going to be okay. You've got 100% success rate of getting through uh, all your bad days so far. So there's a good chance you're going to get through this. And your bad day does yeah. not compare to a lot of guys and gals bad days that, that they've had in the war. So so I, I consider all that uh, certainly uh, 10 years previous starting this. Um, those are some good lessons that uh, that I've learned over, over the years. So. Very well put. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for sharing that. And then uh, last question uh, for you. If anybody, uh, you know, listening to this podcast, if they have a question for you uh, or even, you know, maybe potentially want to partner with you on something, uh, how would they best uh, be able to reach out to you? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I don't do social personally, but uh, our company is very active and and I keep a good eye on that. So 10th MTN Whiskey uh, is our social handle across all socials, uh, Instagram, X slash Twitter, Facebook, and, and um, TikTok. So uh, I do have a profile on LinkedIn. You're welcome to reach out to me there. Or my email is ryan at 10thwhiskey.com. So I'm on that on a daily basis. So feel free to reach out to me there. Uh, okay. Ryan, R-Y-A-N at 10thwhiskey.com. So. 
Okay, awesome. And don't forget, uh, 10% off code for 10th Whiskey. So jump on their website uh, and check out all their their profiles. And um, that's 10thwhiskey.com. So the number 10, TH, and then the word whiskey.com. And then upon checkout, you'll just type in the, the code SIPPING, S-I-P-P-I-N-G, for 10% off. So Ryan, uh, thanks for sharing your story enlightening and, and fun to talk about so really enjoyed this podcast i could probably see a part two coming up next year so we might be we might be after you for that let's <laughs> so, do it i look forward to it case this is yeah. a lot of fun man i really enjoyed it thank you likewise so thanks again uh for joining thank you everybody out there for listening and until next time this was sipping success thanks guys And that's a wrap on another insightful episode of Sipping Success, brought to you by Mushroom Media. We hope our discussions have left you thirsting for more knowledge in the world of beverages and alcohol. Stay connected with us on social media for updates. And remember, the journey to success is best enjoyed one sip at a time. Keep exploring trends, connecting with leaders, and scaling your brand. Until our glasses meet again, cheers to your continued success. And may your cups always runneth over with inspiration. We'll catch you in the next episode.